to the Cinefessions podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Chowan, and joining me, as always, are my two other co-hosts. We have Ash Collins. Hello. And we have Chris Ranson. Hello. All right. So we are finally back at the podcasting helm, which feels good again. Uh, we missed out on April, but overall, April was a large success for Cinefessions. We had uh, our first major feature go up, which was April in the Asylum, where we spent as much time as possible with uh, films released from the Asylum. We actually have 13 reviews that went live last month, and so I was very happy with that. I want to thank Chris and Ash for making that a a big success, so thank you guys. Um, is there any one film that kind of stands out from either of you from from April in the Asylum for the ones that we did our uh, written reviews on at all? They all kind of blended together. (laughs) Like trying to think like I really liked, I think it was the second giant shark attack movie. I think it was like versus Crocosaurus. I think it was only because like Urkel was in it and I was all excited. (laughs) I think that was my favorite one. (laughs) Yeah. I think you gave that one like three and a half stars or something. (laughs) Probably. I may have been drunk at the time. I was doing laundry and I got like hooked. (laughs) It doesn't happen often. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Ash? Is there anything, um, that was um, decent. Well, Age of Dinosaurs was okay. Uh, I don't think I've got my review in for that one yet, but uh, uh, I'm so behind. Apocalypse Earth wasn't terrible. Clash of the Empires has a horrible alternate title, Lord of the Elves, mainly because there are no elves in that movie at all. So, uh, yeah. But uh, Age of Dinosaurs, I actually think, was probably my favorite out of all those that I watched, just because the uh, producers like were messaging me back and forth on Twitter while I was live watching it. <laughs> I completely <laughs> missed that. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that, that was hysterical. Yeah, they, they they responded to a couple of my tweets a couple of times while I was watching Age of Dinosaurs, and they're like, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> so... You said the one had the secondary title, Lord of the Elves. The title on Letterboxd has it as Clash of the Empires. I think that's what it shows up on as net, on Netflix, but they'd actually changed it to Lord of the Elves, and originally it had Hobbit in the title. That's what I was going to say. It used to be called used, Age of the Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. So they they were forced to change that because of the Warner Brothers and the Tolkien Estate. So they changed it to either Lord of the Elves, which is a terrible title because there's no elves, or <laughs> Clash of the Empires, which Clash of the Empires works a little better, but it it's okay. It just it, they had issues with acting quality <laughs> throughout that, but I think that's kind of all of them. So I don't know. That movie had a great dub, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> uh, the one that the one that I actually uh, I have to I have to give credit for was Nazis at the Center of the Earth, which was absolutely and totally abysmal. However, it got me to watch Iron Sky, which was the, which was the one that it was parodying, and Iron Sky was fantastic. I just bought that at work for like two dollars and fifty cents on Blu-ray. I need to watch that. It's oh, good. it is hysterical. Yeah, it is. It's don't go in thinking it's serious. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it is fantastic. That was a lot of fun. They just released a special edition steelbook of that one too, but it was a little expensive for not having seen it, so I kind of passed on it. But it looked really nice. I didn't yeah, even they've see got, that. Where was that at? Um, I, I can't remember where I first saw it, but I, I know it was on Amazon, and it probably is still on Amazon. If you take a look there, you can probably just type it in. Iron. I think it's like the. It's a special edition release of it. Yeah, if you don't want to spend money on the special edition and like watch the movie with the extra footage, they have both versions on Netflix. Oh, that's cool. I haven't watched the extended cut yet because that popped up just after I watched the other one, so I wanted to wait on it. Oh, okay. I've been wanting to see Nazis at the Center of the Earth ever since it came out. Oh my god, it's awful. 
like like not like awful as in like get drunk before you even watch it because <laughs> that's the only way you're gonna enjoy it even remotely that's awesome so speaking of bad films we actually have one of our weekly themes in the third annual cinefashion summer screams challenge which we're really excited about and that is uh i think it's the second week actually is schlock cinema which i got the inspiration for that by reading the latest well it's actually not the latest now but it was the last horror hound magazine they were talking about schlock cinema they had toxic avenger on there and everything and so because of that i decided that we needed a week dedicated to b cinema schlock cinema even though we just had an entire month really but that's all right the more the merrier. And so, you know, speaking of the, the, the Cinefession Summer Scream Challenge, as I mentioned, this is our third one. Basically, what we do is try to watch as much sci-fi and horror film as we can in the month of June, which, you know, is probably what many of us who are listening to this do anyway. But this time we're going to score some points for it. And when you earn these points by watching different things, you uh, are competing with other people to, uh, you know, earn the most points, obviously. And the person who has the most points at the end of June will win a prize, the Amazon gift card up to $50, depending on how many participants we have. And then the second, third, fourth, and fifth place run uh, runner runners up, I guess you'd say, they're also entered in for a chance to win an Amazon gift card. Um, and then everyone who joins gets entered in for a chance to win a digital download package. And then I also have, uh, I've been gathering some other movies together that I'm going to give away at the end of the challenge as well. So basically, if you plan on watching any horror or sci-fi films in the month of June, you know, we invite you to participate for these awesome prizes. And joining is incredibly simple. All you have to do is have a blog of some sort and create a post. And you're in. Just send me the link to that list and you're in and ready to go. And then throughout the month, all you have to do is update the list as you go along. I know Ash has been maniacally planning his list so that he is able to uh, come out as the two-time champion. Chris, if you had to pick one week out of the out of the five, you know, quote-unquote weeks that we have that you're most looking forward to, which one would you say? See, I don't even know. It's going to be a rough year for me because I'm, <laughs> I'm traveling most of June. So, Thank God. Now I have a chance. <laughs> I know I'm gonna I'm gonna get annihilated. Well, last year we were pretty damn close. We were like what twenty points, something like that, apart. <laughs> yeah, it, it was close last year. <laughs> I was watching those. I don't even remember what they were. Those awful like that TV show that was like found footage. The lost tapes. Is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> the lost tapes. Yeah. I don't know how many episodes there was, but I think I watched them all. <laughs> <laughs> I have sorted my films though, like. Out of my haven't watched yet pile. Oh, they're, good. They're off to the side. <laughs> I, have some, I have a lot of TV, so I'm going to finally dive into Under the Dome. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a few TV. I want to get through um, hopefully a season of True Blood. I'm hoping to get through the third season of Walking Dead. And then I really want to watch Holliston because I haven't seen that one yet. Holliston's so good. I have season two I need to watch. But I can watch some of this stuff while traveling because I have digital copies. So Oh, perfect. Yeah. That makes it a little easier. What about you, Ash? Is there any week in particular that you're looking forward to most? Actually, I'm kind of looking forward to the Slack summit just because I haven't planned a whole lot, but I plan on watching a lot of MST3K that week. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I think Schlock Cinema is probably the one I'm looking most forward to as well. There's just so many different options. I'm really looking forward to visiting the featured film for that week, which is Toxic Avenger. It's just it should be a fun week. And the other one I'm, I'm looking forward to is the Silent Cinema week quote-unquote, at the end, which is only two days long, but uh, I'm just really looking forward to um, Metropolis I really want to watch, which I haven't before, and Nosferatu, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, 
which Chris just got me the Mondo poster for, which is stunning to look at. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well, just because there's a few I haven't seen. So hopefully I'll actually have some time that weekend to watch some of those. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. So make sure, you're, if you haven't already, make sure you're joining in. Just all you have to do is send me a link to your list, and you can send that to me on Twitter at Simon1, or you can email that at contact at cinefessions.com, whatever is easiest for you. Are you going to quit? Do I have a choice? No, you should quit. Thanks. Sure. You know, if she had her own squad, she'd be able to realize just how good she really is. All we need to do now is find a place with girls who really dance around on stage in front of an audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that out of the way, let's revisit April in the Asylum a little bit. For this month's podcast, we're kind of combining April and May into one podcast. April obviously being the Asylum films, and then May is going to be uh, Ash's double feature pick. And so first up, we have the ones that were voted on by you guys, the listeners and the readers of Cinefessions. Let's go in order of release here, just because that's the way I have the things written down. So uh, first up is the 2010 film, Number One Cheerleader Camp. In Number One Cheerleader Camp, this guy uh, goes out to this camp and he's going to be working as a janitor there. And it's a cheerleader camp, basically like a summer camp for cheerleaders. And he meets up with like the lead janitor or whatever, who's played by Seth Castle, who was in Hold Your Breath is where I've seen him in before. Uh, but he's uh, in a lot of these asylum films, especially these like sex comedies like this. Um, but anyway, so he meets up with uh, Seth Castle, who's playing Andy and... Michael, who is Andy's uh, new co-worker, he meets this girl named Charlene, and he falls for her, basically. And so he's trying to uh, convince her through all these mishaps that he is, in fact, straight and trying to win her over. Um, it's pretty shallow story, frankly, but it's basically this guy trying to get this girl. Man, he has all these different problems that arise that are kind of holding him back from her. So let's start with Chris. Chris, what did you, uh, what are, what are your initial thoughts on number one cheerleader camp? I'm, I'm trying to remember it because it blends in really well with the third film, the mm-hmm. spring break one. Um, there was boobs, lots of boobs. Lots. I think this one started with like them jumping in the air and pop. <laughs> Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It's the trampoline. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. And I think did this one have that shower scene too, where the girls realize that yes. they're watching. Okay. Yeah. Th- those are the two th- scenes I remember. So boobs. That, that's all I can say about it. Uh, the plot did nothing. The gay jokes just kept going on a little too long for me. Right. I mean, it was it was okay. It wasn't great. Yeah, for me on this one, it was kind of just, it, it felt it felt a little mean-spirited a lot of the time. Especially, like you're talking about that shower scene. And uh, Seth Castle's character is, you know, they're, they're bo- well, both of them are up there. I'm um, trying to fix a light bulb or something, which is taking them forever for whatever reason. And the girls come in and they're, you know, about the shower. And the dude, he's just, he literally starts masturbating right there. And it's, and then it, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Like he just continues through like this whole masturbation scene. And it's just, I don't know. It was a little silly to me. You just made it sound funnier than it was, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, and that, that's the thing, though, is that he does that like the whole movie. Every mm-hmm. time you turn around, he's jerking off. It's like because he supposedly he's like on this masturbation diet. It's like to lose weight, he's jerking off. That's right. the whole the whole idea. It's mm-hmm. just like wow. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I will say, I like Seth Castle. 
I think he had an absolute shit script to work with, but I thought he played it the best that he could. He went whole hog with it. You know, he didn't, uh, he wasn't shy about any of it, which I thought was good. Um, and I really, he was one of the standouts from Hold Your Breath. And so I just, I really uh, like him as an actor. I think he was much better in Hold Your Breath than he was here, but he had a better script to work with also. So I can't really fault him for that. The major problem with this one for me was just the fact that it was so, like, the story, I just, I didn't give a shit, like, literally, about anything that happened. The reason I continued watching was, one, you know, because of our, our, our podcasting obligations, but two, just because there was just more boobs. Like, there were so many naked women in this movie, it's mind-blowing. Uh, one scene that kind of stands out for me was toward the beginning when Michael is... It's right after he met Charlene for the first time. And Charlene, when he met her for the first time, she was dressed in this, like, I don't know, squirrel outfit or something. And so he thinks he's flirting with her at the dinner table. And he kind of lures, or the squirrel lures him away. And they end up in, like, the shed somewhere. And then, you know, it continues. And it turns out that it's um, one of the one of the gay men cheerleaders that are there instead of her. And so then he gets caught. And ha, 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 it's hilarious. That one stood out for me. That was kind of like where the where the gay jokes kind of got too much at that point. I don't know. And it just they weren't funny. It was just like, OK, I get it. I get it. Let's move on. Yeah, I I actually did like a quick write up for this on Letterboxd just so I would remember it between them. <laughs> and I made the comment that it was basically the bring it on cheerleader movie crossed with uh, the lower comedy bits from like Porky's and Police Academy, but that it had none of the talent to back it up. <laughs> so yeah. it, 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 the result was this movie. Mm-hmm. So and it, yeah, even with all the unrated things going on, it just it was this movie's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's at least watchable, kind of. But yeah, like you said, the jokes are very they're malicious. They poke fun at just about everybody and not in a good way. And it just a lot of them fell completely flat for me. Yeah. And I apologize. Uh, Charlene Tilton is is the wrong character I was talking about. I was actually t- I was referring to Erica Duke, who played Sophie, who was actually going to be in I think both of the other movies that we talk about today as well. Um, so my apologies. It was not Charlene Tilton. She plays like the uh, old cheerleader who comes back to mentor them, quote unquote, but is actually just a real bitch. So, but anyway, uh, yeah. So my apologies. I was talking about Sophie is who the character that Michael falls for. But yeah, this one. Aside from all the nudity, it didn't really do anything for me. It was long, way too long. That was one thing. Like I was watching it with my sister, which was just kind of awkward because I didn't expect it to be. Chris, Chris warned me, but I didn't expect it to be like it was. And so, you know, Bridget and my sister and I are kind of sitting there. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not comfortable for me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just, it dragged on. It's only 95 minutes, but it could have been, you know, 75 and would have been fine. I don't, there's just no reason really to watch this unless you're looking for, you know, softcore porn. I did rate this one a two stars out of four. What about you, Ash? What did you give this one? This would be a one and a half out of four. Yeah. And Chris, what about you? I'm pretty sure it's probably around one. Yeah. I don't think I enjoyed it very much. (laughs) Although you're bringing it back and like, it sounds better as you're saying it, but (laughs) I really don't think it was and I'm not going to go back. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to revisit it. (laughs) Nope, I would not watch this one again. Nope. Right. I did laugh a few times, but I laugh at a lot of things, so I'll stick to those instead. <laughs> All right, so number one cheerleader camp was kind of a bust. 
So let's move on to the next one, barely legal. Um, and this is, there are these three best friends who they s- do something special every year for their birthday because they're all born on the same day. And so now it's their 18th birthday and they decide that this is going to be the year that they all lose their virginity. And so the three of them plan this, um, this birthday party, which is at this big giant house that Asylum uses for a large number of their films. And so, all three of them are dead set on losing their virginity at this birthday party. My favorite of the three girls has to be the one who has oral sex and anal sex all the time and, and, and gangbangs and threesomes and what have you, but she still claims to be a virgin because, well, and so, uh, she was, she was definitely my favorite of the three. Ash, what, did, what were your thoughts? I actually thought this one would be terrible and ended up liking it anyway. Some of the actors were okay and some were better than others, but the, the premise was kind of ridiculous, but the, it had a certain charm to it. And the, a lot of the situations the three of them get into while trying to do this are were fun and they were goofy. And some of them were just like, wow, <laughs> um, it left me you know, laughing, uh, especially the, the peanut butter and the dog bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, for the most part, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't a great film by any means, but it was at least, you know, it was at least fun. It was not my favorite of the three, but uh, it was a lot worlds better than, than the other one. Chris, what were your thoughts on, on this one? I'm like you. Uh, it's probably like my favorite of the three that we watched. I-, I was laughing hysterically. Like the thing with the fake PlayStation Move controller or <laughs> we con- whatever you want to call it. It looked more like a PlayStation Move controller, but uh, that had me like everything. It was just absurd. Completely like the blind guy, just everything. Just <laughs> like they-, they went all the way with it. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. The girls are very natural looking when they're naked. If yeah. I remember correctly, it wasn't like ginormous boobs going to knock you out every second. There's definitely, I think, the the best looking group of girls in the in the three films. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I laughed. It was the first one of the three I watched. Okay. So it kind of set the bar kind of high. Yeah. <laughs> the other two didn't quite didn't quite get there, but uh, right, it was fun. I had fun. It's kind of like American Pie meets um like Sisterhood of the Traveling. Vaginas, almost. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think that's why I like. It was kind of felt just like a low budget American Pie, which was fun. Um, the blind guy was hilarious. He had so many weird moments with the girl like running into him so many different times. One of the one of the three girls running into him so many different times, and he starts yelling at her because she he thinks that she's making fun of him for being blind, and it's just goofy. But like you said, they went all the way with it. You know, it would happen as I'm always taught. Humor comes in threes, and it happened three times, and. Uh, so they just followed through with their jokes, which I thought was good. The plot didn't seem like it was plotting along. It was moving along at a, at a brisk pace. And so it was just enjoyable to watch. Um, one that I would, you know, recommend to someone who's looking for like a low budget, um, teen sex comedy. So yeah, I definitely enjoyed this one. Ash, what did you give Barely Legal on a star rating? I'd actually go two and a half out of four on this one. And what about you, Chris? Oh, see, I was much more generous. I, I gave this a three and a half because Oh, nice. I was was highly entertained. (laughs) Very good. I didn't expect that. All right. I gave it a two and a half as well. And it was my, like I said, my favorite of the three and my most uh, highly rated film of the, of the three that we watched from the asylum. So barely legal. I would, I would recommend that one as, uh, you know, especially out of these three. Definitely, definitely the best of the bunch. Now, would you watch that with your sister? 
Uh, no, I wouldn't want to watch that with my. I wouldn't want to watch any of these with my sister. It just happened. It, it was it was a mistake <laughs> that won't be repeated. But anyway, um, that leads us to the the last one, and I'll admit I was genuinely excited for this one, mostly because well, no, in, entirely because of the fact that it was directed by Jared Cohn. Jared Cohn directed two films that I watched in the month of April that I really enjoyed. The first one was Hold Your Breath, which was just a, a really solid, low-budget horror film. And also Jailbait, which I don't really want to talk about Jailbait because I just feel like I'm going to be yelled at by you two because both of you watched it after my recommendation. I don't think either of you liked it, but that's besides the point. Hor- it wasn't horrible. Okay. Wait, which, which one was Jailbait? Jailbait's the one where the girl um, like kills her abusive father in the beginning and then gets sent to jail and then has lots oh, okay. of... Oh, yeah, okay. That one sex. wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. I guess yeah, I just... I- lots of- sex <laughs> exactly yeah, it had its moments yeah that one i don't know i i liked it because it was just pure exploitation film and that's i don't know that's what i expected coming in that's what i enjoyed it for but anyway so that was directed by jared Cohn, who i've watched on the special feature and everything and just seems like a i don't know an interesting guy to work with and so i was genuinely excited because i was like okay this this bikini spring break came out before both jailbait and hold your breath um it wasn't his first one i don't believe but it was one of his early ones and so you know i was excited to see what he did with it and the other thing that i was hyped about was the fact that chris pointed out that this was the you know quote-unquote mockbuster to spring breakers which all three of us watched and all three of us enjoyed in our i think it was actually our first podcast one of our first podcasts at least and so i was really just excited for it and it just did not deliver uh, virtually anything except you know, attractive naked women. The description for this one is a group of co-eds from a small conservative college break out of the shells when their marching band bus breaks down in Fort Lauderdale during spring break. Uh, even that plot description makes it sound more interesting than it is. All I got from it was these girls can't play instruments, but they can get naked. And so because they can get naked and accidentally show it on the big screen, they went a trip to Fort Lauderdale to play in, it was like states or regionals or something. And on the way there, their bus breaks down and they have to try to figure out how to raise money to fix the bus or get a new bus or something along those lines and then get down to Fort Lauderdale for the, for the competition. But it was, this was not a good movie by any stretch. Chris, what, what did you think of uh, Bikini Spring Break? Uh, much like yourself, I was really excited for it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's like Spring Breakers and like, <laughs> bring it on. I'm, oh, I was pumped. Some Britney Spears playing in slow motion, maybe. That, that would have been awesome. Like during that <laughs> Jello scene, the, the Jello fight. Like, that would have yeah. been good. You know, some like white rapper comes in and just starts like serenading the girls as they go at it. But no, <laughs> nothing. Um, actually, shit. I forgot every point of the movie until you started talking about it. Mm-hmm. And there was two highlights. The Jello fight, which was the first time I've ever seen a Jello fight. Yep. It was entirely fascinating, but <laughs> kind of gross at the same time. I'm like, Ugh. I don't know. I haven't eaten Jello since, but I don't really eat it. Um, <laughs> and the the last one is the... <laughs> The bull riding scene, which oh, makes yes. absolutely no sense because I, I just don't understand how your top falls off. Oh my god, I know it didn't make it, it, they couldn't even <laughs> film it for it to make sense. It's just kind of she had it on, they cut away, it was gone. So they didn't even want to explain it, they just did it because it, it was this type of movie. She's like, I can't help it, it just fell off. I'm like, how? <laughs> but yeah, that was about it. I didn't enjoy it, but I like those two scenes. They're not worthwhile. Like, I'm sure you can find them on, like, YouTube or something. <laughs> right. And that had um Robert Carradine in it, and he was fine. I thought he was probably the best part of the whole film, but the uh, the girls, 
not one of them stands out as like an ex as a as a great actress by any stretch of the imagination. They were all you know very pretty, but ah, I don't know, it didn't do it for me. What about you, uh, Ash? I actually like this one a little better than you two. Really? Um, but uh, well, I, this is the one I watched. Number one cheerleader camp first, mm-hmm. and then I followed that with this. So this looked like a freaking masterpiece compared to the previous film. <laughs> so, so I think that may have colored my perception a little, but I didn't go in with any expectations either. I'm like, oh, God, they're all going to be terrible. <laughs> I actually kind of like the ridiculous situations that the girls kept getting into trying to raise the money to fix the bus. And well, the one competent girl dealing with three girls who have no clue what they're doing uh, was I thought that was kind of hilarious. But and it, and like all the other all of the films in this, there's some just ridiculous situations and they try to work the best that they can with it. And, and I thought Robert Carradine was pretty good in it for the lit few scenes that they have him in, but it was, it was interesting. I, I actually probably put it right on par with fairly legal as far as liking it better, at least than uh, number one cheerleader camp. I, I didn't think it was completely awful. It's just not great. It was okay. I watched them in the order that we talked about them and number one cheerleader camp, like, it's not good by any stretch, but I laughed, a f- you know, I laughed quite a bit, actually, at that one. Barely legal, we talked, you know, I just enjoyed that one. I laughed a lot, thought it was well done. And then this one here, I just, man, I could not, like, I had, I literally had to watch it, like, four nights in a row or three nights in a row or something, <laughs> because I just kept falling asleep. Like, there was nothing funny, like, for me, I wasn't laughing. It wasn't keeping me engaged at all. And so this one is definitely number three on my on my list of these out of these three. And then number one, Cheater Camp would be number two, and then Bear League will be number one. Ash, what did you what did you give this one on a star rating then? I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess two point five. Yeah, two and a half out of four. Okay. Yep. Part of the reason I think I might have liked this is because I used to be a band geek in high school, and it kind of mm. re- you know the band trip kind of related to it, so I might have liked it a little bit more because of that. I don't mm-hmm. know. That might be part of it. Yeah, it could, definitely could be. Were there Jello fights? <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss out on Jello fights? I was in choir, not band, so I may have missed out on the Jello fights. No, no, there weren't Jello fights, but there was a lot of ridiculous and stupid stuff going on. I'll give it that. <laughs> what about you, Chris? What are you giving this one for a star rating? I give it a two. I don't know why. Yeah, it's probably for probably like one star for Jello, one star for. <laughs> Just actually, it's probably two stars for Jello because <laughs> oh. I was, I, I admit, I wanted to like just rewind it and just rewatch <laughs> that scene again because I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they do it like on wrestling because I haven't watched wrestling in like 20 years, but I'm sure they've had them. It, well, I'm sure they were clothed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I gave this one one and a half out of four stars. Just, uh, I don't know. I just didn't like it, frankly. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up the uh, April in the Asylum. I thought it was a lot of fun to go through a lot of, uh, you know, many of these and uh, spend time with a lot of films from the Asylum. It has a really negative reputation, but I liked more films than I didn't like when I was out of the ones I was watching. Um, and I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, Chris, but I feel like you kind of had the same same impression. Would you say? Yeah. I- well, I worked at Blockbuster when Transmore first came out. And I, <laughs> you know, people rented that. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. And not not until like a few years ago, you mentioned it probably during the first uh, CSSC about Asylum. I'm like, what's that? Like, I had oh, no okay. idea. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I've just avoided their movies. Um, they're not great. But when you go in with your, your high expectations of low budget... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you have to judge it on a different scale. You can't go in expecting like the new X Men or the new Godzilla, right? You're, you're not you're not going to get it. You're going to get basically direct 
to video fluff. There were a few stinkers though, like Transmorphers. That was just a disaster. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I was excited, but no, that one wasn't good. And I know Ash said he liked the Age of Dinosaurs, and I enjoyed that too. But I love Treat Williams ever since Deep Rising. So. Oh yeah, Treat Williams is fantastic. I love his stuff. He always brings either a little bit of gravitas to the film, or just the dose of funny that the film needs. Did you ever watch him in Everwood? No, I haven't seen Everwood. Oh, it's re- it's it's pretty good. I won't say it's really good, but it's solid. I might have to give it a shot. Ash, do you have any parting thoughts on April in the Asylum at all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they're, I think a lot of their films are are better than the reputation that the Asylum has. I mean, they obviously, I think they know they're doing low-budget schlock, basically. You know, they're, they're you know low-budget parodies of other stuff that's already out there, and I think they just go in expecting to have fun with it and do the best they can with the budget they've got. It doesn't always work, but, you know, there's always the next one. I mean, they crank these suckers out, so I think they're kind of hit or miss, but there are a few, you know, somewhat gems in the lot, I think. Right. And what's amazing to me is uh, the Asylum, What you know, what their big claim to fame is, is that they've never lost money on their pictures, which I think is pretty incredible for a studio to be able to say that, especially a low, you know, a independent film studio like that. Well, when Sci-Fi picks up half of their films to show on Saturdays, when yep. they don't have anything else on, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> exactly. And rental chains pick them up like mine, pick them up in bulk to rent out, and they rent out really well. Kind of like when Chris, when you were working with at Blockbuster with Transmorphism, it's the same idea. These films rent really well. Um, they just released Asteroid versus Earth. I really want to see that one. Sounds interesting. And Asian Schoolgirls is another one that the title intrigues <laughs> me enough that I want to see it. Wasn't there like a Pompeii ripoff one too? Yeah, Apocalypse Pompeii. I almost wanted to get that. <laughs> almost. I guess that'll be the bookend for April in the Asylum in 2014. Maybe we'll revisit that again in 2015 with some different films, but who knows what time will what time will bring. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark. I'll be back. Highest-rated TV show in history. Because they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. So let's jump from April in the Asylum to Ashes. First double feature selection for the podcast. We have the. The Running Man from 1987, and then John Carpenter's Big Trouble in, in Little China. Let's go ahead and talk about The Running Man first. Ash, go ahead and, and give us a synopsis of this guy. This is actually based off of one of uh, Stephen King's books, when he, when he was writing under the pseudonym Richard Bachman, so he could do sci-fi as well as horror. The whole idea is that they have this game show, and you go on and you it's kind of like Survivor, only like for real. Uh, and you have to make it through. And if you make it through, you win the big prize. But the movie twist is that they're taking prisoners and doing this instead of volunteers. Uh, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been set up for a crime he didn't commit and uh, is getting forced to do this game show after an unsuccessful escape from prison, along with some of his uh, co-conspirators. And they're out to try to... Uh, 
take down the the big network that's doing it all to them. Uh, interested to see this one, mostly because of the fact that it was Schwarzenegger film from the eighties. You know, it's uh, dystopian totalitarian state which are frankly some of my favorite uh that's like my favorite subgenre if you will or favorite favorite setting so i was really excited for this one and i think it was kind of weird for me because it just you get like the movie starts and you get this opening uh scroll that says years 2017 and you know it just gives you the information about what's going on basically it's a totalitarian state everything is censored yada 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 and the biggest tv program of all time is the running man which is you know like you said they use these prisoners but it was just kind of right from the get go. Boom! Here's Schwarzenegger. He's you're gonna your your introduction to Schwarzenegger is no, I'm not going to blow up these people because they're unarmed. And then yes, you are. And then <laughs> here you go. He's not listening. You know, arrest him. And so then they fight and he's arrested. And so it's just like Bing Bang Bomb. Here you go. Within not even three minutes, you already have your main character arrested, and it just it went so fast. I think the whole thing. I have, no, mind you, I haven't read the novel or the short, I'm not sure if it's a short story or a graphic novel or a short story or a novel, but whatever it is, I haven't read it. And so I don't know how quickly that moves, but I just thought it was kind of um, jarring how quickly everything moved. And so that kind of took me out of it right at the beginning. Chris, what did you, uh, what, were you what were some of your initial thoughts on it? Well, first, that was a great uh, Schwarzenegger impersonation. You were you know, like, I was about to jump. I was about to leap off the edge of the building and really go for it. But then I remembered, oh my God, you are terrible at dialects. Don't even, don't even make an ass of yourself with this one. So I kind of, I, I went back inside. You, you were going there. I saw it. I saw it. I was feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I started, I, I watched this in two sittings. It's definitely 80s. Oh, and, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> first, Ash, is this, did this get remade? But They've done stuff along similar themes. It's called the Hunger Games. Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, but I mean, they've done this is like it's been a recurring theme. You know, put people into a marina and they have to fight their way out of it. Since you know before this movie, really. But um, I, I don't know that this one in particular had been remade. I know that the big change from the movie to the book is that they're using prisoners, and in the book they use volunteers, and the guy volunteers to do it basically because his family is starving. So there's a big change there. I read the book when I was ten, so you know, it, you know, it's been a while. Yeah, twenty-seven years. Uh, so this movie I kind of grew up on. My friends and I would like cycle through, you know, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and, you know, like the Lethal Weapon movies and stuff while we were growing up. So this is one that was in the cycle a lot. You know, we'd like watch at least a movie a day, you know, when we got together. And, and this one ended up being in the cycle for a long time until like uh, Terminator 2 and Total Recall came out. But yeah, I actually hadn't seen this one <laughs> for a really long time. So watching this again... I can say that it has not aged well at all. <laughs> it was still fun. There's still a lot of really fun moments. The, the the dialogue is corny as hell still, but I love some of the one-liners in it, and uh, I liked the the kind of the satire reality TV that it had going with it. That is surprisingly still relevant today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with as much of the different ones that we've got going on the, the different game shows i mean survivor is literally you know a step from going to this route you get voted off you get killed you know they could <laughs> make that change and people might watch so you know it's it, it's it's kind of interesting in that regard i mean that definitely has the 80s 
you know, let's try to make the future type of thing. And, and it's like the Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. You, you can see the aesthetic here. You know, it's in full force. And, and the, you, like you said, it's kind of like there is no real big introduction. It's boom, we're getting right into it. it, it which was kind of jarring. But, you know, as a kid, I loved it. Wow, this is great. You know, <laughs> it's gunfire, fist fights, you know. But see, so yeah, it has an age role in that regard. But I, I think it has some kind of interesting concepts that still work. And I think if I'd watched this film, you know, when I was younger, it just, it really, it, everything about it feels like a movie that I should love and should have really fond memories of and just kind of have that warm, you know, warm feeling inside whenever I think about it. But it just, because I'm just, you know, seeing this for the first time now and don't have that um, nostalgia with it at all, I feel like, like you said, it just doesn't hold up well today and it doesn't, it was missing quite a lot for me. Chris, as far as I can tell from the small research I've done, there's not been an official remake of this movie at all, um, to answer that question. Because, I mean, it's kind of like Gamer. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, actually, I I avoided Gamer just because it. I don't. I thought it looked like a kind of cheesy ripoff of movies like this. Actually, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I actually really enjoy, like. I added Running Man to my cube. Like as soon as it, uh, I think it repopped up. I think they removed it like last year and then re-added it. So I've been meaning to see it for years and started watching it last night. I got like an hour into it and then I just couldn't do it anymore. I was just so tired. I don't know the the eighty jumpsuits. <laughs> Oh, for a man. little <laughs> they didn't leave much to the imagination i'll leave it to that um, but once i started once i started the last act like the villains were reintroduced with their cool powers and the chainsaw guy i can't remember his name it was probably something like chainsaw or something but <laughs> it was fun i had a lot of fun with it actually and i didn't even realize it was like based on a stephen king book because i usually don't like his stuff so i enjoyed it I think uh, watching it now, the standout scene, it's not even a Schwarzenegger scene, it's Jesse the Body Ventura scene, when they've decided to put him in, and he comes in in this ridiculous armor, and he's like, basically, what the hell is this? <laughs> and he throws it on the floor off the stop, because it's like, you know, it, he's like, I don't need this crap to fight. You know, it's a great scene. He's supposed to be the, the glorified gladiator you know, in the arena, and he's kind of been relegated to the sidelines for doing interviews and stuff, and they want to send him in, and he's like, I'm not wearing this crap! And I, that scene right there, that and the one that I still remember from my childhood was the, what's the matter of steroids make you deaf? Yeah. And <laughs> That that one still stuck out with me, but uh, yeah, that kind of sums up the whole movie right there. He's he's like, you know, look at this, this spectacle. I don't need this crap. (laughs) That nailed it for me right there. That cracks me up every time I see it. As much as I adored Richard Dawson in this, and especially because he was kissing the women just like he did on Family Feud that I used to watch on Game Show Network with my grandma, the reruns. As much as I adored him, Jesse Ventura was by far my favorite part of this film. He was just so absurd and ridiculous. Oh my god! That th- the first time I saw him, he's it, he was in the um he's in the workout video, and he just looks. I mean, he looks as 1980s as you can possibly look, and it just cracked me up because I know him as mostly I know him from you know his professional wrestling commentating because he was basically retired by the time I started watching. Um, and so. I just thought he was absolutely hilarious. I don't know how I forgot that there was those dancing moments. Because that oh, was yeah. your 80s, too. Oh, God, like, yes. The dance soon as breaks. Started, I'm like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? This is awesome. Like, This is a movie where I feel like I... Now I've watched it once, that's that. I'm going to... This is one that I will 
without a doubt revisit again and I I am certain that I'll enjoy it more on repeated viewings because it just has like I said everything I like about movies are is somewhere to be found in here in one way or another um, and I think the other thing that didn't really work for me was I wanted these people to go into this, go through, shoot through the tunnel system and, and wind up. And then they're all kind of multiple people there at once, all trying to survive. I don't know. Just the like survival aspect of it didn't really do it for me. It was kind of more like a fighting game where you had these, you, you know, you would walk, you would walk, you would walk, and then you'd have like a bad guy you had to beat. And then Schwarzenegger would take care of him. And then you had, you know, you move on to the next one and you have to take care of that. So the, the, the game portion of it didn't really uh, do it for me as well as I'd hoped. Yeah, I could see that. It kind of works as a game show anyway, but yeah, they 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 don't really do a really good job of showing you how they get from arena to arena. They just all of a sudden in the next arena. Right. So I think that maybe they could have done a little better with that too, but Chris, what did you give this one for star rating? Uh, I actually gave it, I believe, a three. Um, I'm going to go a three and a half. I'm going to up it a little. I, I just enjoyed it. It was like perfect 80s cheese. And for some reason, it kind of like, it gives me that same feeling as like when I watch Super Mario Brothers, which is obviously not a good movie. <laughs> but it, it, it gives me, <laughs> I, I get a similar vibe from it. I don't know why, but I enjoyed it a lot. I was surprised. And Ash, what did you give this one on a, a reviewing of it? The ten-year-old me would have given this a four out of four. Uh, <laughs> the the older me, however, I only give it two and a half to three. I probably closer to a three just for nostalgia factor. I, and there's just oh, there's a lot of stuff that it's just a little too cheesy. But I, I'll still go and watch this over again just because I love the movie. But it, you know, it's there's a lot of stuff you're sitting there going, "Wow, they they did this," and I <laughs> wow. And that 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 was the other thing that kind of just didn't work for me as well as it has in other movies and that was all the one-liners that you'd mentioned it just felt like it was i don't know it felt like it was too many it was forced almost which i i don't know so i gave this one uh two out of four stars and if you're keeping track at home yes i gave barely legal two and a half out of four stars so um <laughs> take that for what you will but. <laughs> this is jack burton in the pork chop express and i'm talking to whoever's listening out there it's a pretty amazing planet we live on here. And a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. Ow! They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. All right, so now let's jump over to Big Trouble in Little China. I have been wanting to watch this movie since I worked at GameStop, and they had uh, those PSP UMD movies. I bought this then because it was on sale for like three bucks or something, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this in my PSP. What a stupid thought that was. And I bought it then. Never opened it, never watched it, traded it in, I don't know, years later. I bought it on DVD, never watched it, got rid of it or something. Maybe gave it away. I don't know what the hell I did with it. And now I own it on Blu-ray, and I've had it on Blu-ray for, I don't know, a couple of years now. And uh, I've been thinking, yes, this is John Carpenter. I need to see this movie. John Carpenter's, without a doubt, one of my favorites. He's the director of two of 
my all time favorites in The Thing and Halloween. Um, and then as I continue through his filmography, like I've been, and I mentioned this on probably our last podcast, um, but Christine, I absolutely loved Assault on Precinct 13 in an awesome movie. Uh, I was very, very excited for Big Trouble in Little China. But Ash, I'm going to have to turn to you once again to kind of go ahead and give a synopsis of this one because beats me if I know what the hell I watched. So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, So Kurt Russell plays probably the best sidekick role ever invented uh, in the motion picture film industry. (laughs) As he goes into this, uh, he's he's playing... uh, Jack Burton, who's a truck driver, and he likes to gamble, he likes to spend his money, he likes to, you know, run his mouth on his CB, and he uh, gets involved with his friend Wang, who owns a restaurant in Chinatown, and Wang's got a little bit of a problem as he needs to pick up his girlfriend, uh, soon-to-be wife, from the airport, and she ends up getting kidnapped and taken by one of the rival street gangs, not Chinese street gangs, in Chinatown. So they end up having to go try to get her back, and it turns out there's a whole lot of other stuff going on, and there's a lot of supernatural ninja fights, kung fu fights, uh, a lot of you know Chinese lore, all sorts of fun stuff that they just kind of threw into this movie and had a great time with. Like I said, Kurt Russell, he's the biggest thing on the poster, and while he has a big role in the movie, he basically plays the sidekick throughout the whole film. So I, that's kind of where it is. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. He kind of, I mean, thinking now that you say that and thinking about it, yeah, he he does definitely does play the sidekick. But uh, I still think he is the reason that I will visit this movie again in the future because he is goddamn Kurt Russell. You are amazing. Like he is hilarious in this. Um, so that's why he kind of he kind of stands out for me as the main character just because he is this I don't know just awesome force on film. He is he's so great in in everything he does. But yeah, he is he is kind of the sidekick character. That's interesting to think of, which I you know didn't really consider as I was watching the movie. So Ash, keep going. What what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, is this how many times have you seen this movie? I feel like it's probably a lot. I have honestly lost track. Uh, yeah. I started watching this when I was a kid, and I've probably watched it at least. At least once a year since I've, it's come out. I've had it on VHS. I've got it on DVD somewhere, I think. Uh, I, I just happened to watch this one off Netflix this time. Uh, so I've watched it a lot. I, you know, I, I, in movies on in the background, I can do the lines by heart type of thing. <laughs> but uh, I, I love this movie. Uh, even on repeated viewings, it's held up over the years. I think a lot of it has to do with the way Carpenter films his shots. He used a lot of practical effects and... Uh, he used Kurt Russell's charisma to drive this movie. I, and there's just, there's just so much of this movie that would completely fall flat without Russell in charge. And he, his, he has some great lines. Uh, his interactions with all of the cast is fantastic. And even then, you know, you can kind of see with everything he's gone through where they, why they end up kind of respecting him because he's kind of, you know, willing to put his life on the line for all this stuff. You know, even, even as crazy as it is, I still love this movie. This one, this one's one of the ones that's actually, I think, held up a lot better than most, but I think it kind of, it's one of those movies where you either love it for its little campy attitude or you end up hating it. And I I happen to love this one. And what about you, Chris? <laughs> it moves so fast. The movie does. And I don't think it really has like a structure to it. That or I was really out of it in my like almost three v- viewings. It flies by. It just seems really random. Everything just random. And it's like Mortal Kombat before Mortal Kombat. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
the lightning, the fans reflecting lightning, the neon lights on like a Buddha statue. Like I, I was, <laughs> yep. I was in like heaven. I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> and then Kurt Russell's boots. Like I saw, <laughs> I was talking to my friend. He's like, that is like my favoriteest movie ever. I'm like, all right. I'm like, dude, Kurt Russell's boots. Did you see them? They're like amazing. I mean, they're really not. They're like almost knee high and <laughs> like. <laughs> But they're like 80s amazing. And then there's a scene near the end where he has the remnants of someone's lipstick on his face or on his lips. And yes. it's also on oh his teeth. God. And I'm like, this is amazing. I was like taking pictures and I was really into it. I'm like, look at this. This is awesome. I'm sure my friend wasn't as, as amused as I was, but I was highly entertained. It was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think I got I got caught up. And a few things. And one was like, I, I didn't really adjust to the film until it was probably halfway or three quarters of the way over. Cause all I could th- kept thinking to myself was, I don't know how I'm going to possibly talk about this on a podcast. Cause I genuinely don't know what I'm watching right now. Like the movie starts off and you have Kurt Russell just randomly talking to, I don't know who on his, um, his truck radio, his CB radio, you know, then we are introduced to Wang. And one thing I want to, I kind of want to stop right there and talk about is, one of, like I said, some things I just got stuck on. And this is one of the things I got stuck on. These characters are old friends and they're, you know, they're doing this gambling. All of a sudden it's morning and Wang is like incredibly pissed off. And, you know, he's double or nothing, double or nothing. Well, nothing or double, I think is what he says. But, and he tries to chop this bottle in half and he can't do it. But like what killed me was that his, he gets so angry at that moment and it's kind of never explained what happened, like why it, it felt like the movie was headed in a different direction than it was. Cause then all of a sudden they go to the uh, airport and then they're, they're like you said, they're teaming up, you know, Kurt Russell is going to be a sidekick throughout the rest of the movie. But I don't know that one moment, it, it sticks with me for whatever stupid reason. And it just kind of took me out of it a little bit. And I didn't understand. I think it was just a, a weird character moment for me that, hurt me with Wang's character because he's normally like the rest of the film he's this likable kind of um, optimistic guy but that moment he's just this kind of scary almost jerk and I don't know it just bugged me and I, I couldn't get past it but it's just one of the moments I was kind of stuck up in and then all of a sudden they pull into the back alley and then this just ridiculously absurd samurai Chinese warrior fight thing happens and I <laughs> I mean it goes on for a very long time I don't know. But it's really well choreographed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was. Absolutely. Yeah. But it just kind of took me a while to get kind of settled in with the film. And I don't think this is another one, just like The Running Man, where it's going to take multiple viewings for me to really, uh, you know, genuinely appreciate what John Carpenter has done here. One criticism I have of the film has to be Kim Cattrall. I thought everyone else in the movie is playing this as genuinely and seriously as they possibly can. And then Kim Cattrall comes in and she's kind of, it felt like she knew she was in kind of this B movie and just her acting was so much different than Kurt Russell's and um, Dennis Dunn who played Wang and you know, all these other characters. It was just so different and it stood out in a negative way to me. Um, she's gorgeous. My God, I didn't realize how beautiful she was, but she's absolutely beautiful in this, but I don't know. The acting kind of took me out of it. I just didn't like her character. I didn't like uh, the way she portrayed the character. I guess that kind of took me out of it a little bit. I didn't even realize that was her. No. Yeah. Oh, I know. It took <laughs> you, you me. You just a while. like blew my mind. I'm like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> I, you just yeah. I, I enjoyed her character actually. I thought she was kind of funny and it, yeah. It, see, I liked her in that. It's definitely a. 
it's a B movie. Let, let's admit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a B movie, but it has a big '80s action movie budget. I mean, yeah. well, it has a big budget for a Carpenter film. We'll yeah. give it that much. The interesting thing about that is most of those street scenes, especially the fight scenes, they didn't actually film outside. They built that in a soundstage. Oh wow! And and the way they filmed it you can't tell right and i thought that was interesting but yeah they he gets a lot he does a lot of cheats with it to, to get around some stuff but yeah and if it's a b movie it's done by a, you know a triple a director and so it doesn't really feel like it yeah. it's like one of those purposely like b movies right like it, it has that vibe going for it and you know more that i think about it i think i tried to watch this a few years ago and fell asleep and okay. just yeah. just wrote it off as <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i'm glad i rewatched it because i had fun I enjoyed the movie. Uh, it's definitely one that I have to watch again, though, to really appreciate. Um, Ash, what do you uh, what do you give this one? Uh, three and a half out of four, almost perfect. I think it, it's a really great film, but I think it's not like it's it's not for everybody. So yeah. you know, it's one of those like my wife absolutely hates this movie with a passion. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> it, it's one of those ones. You know, if I if I'm going to watch it, I have to watch it when she's not home or when she's not interested in the TV. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how long it took Kurt Russell to like his character to give over to like the supernatural side of the film. I thought that was really well done by Russell. I thought that was awesome. And Chris, what do you give this one? Uh, I'm going to go with three and a half as well. I really enjoyed it, even sleeping and all. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And again, I wish I watched it in the 80s. I don't, you know, yeah. being a kid in the 80s actually kind of sucked, I guess. I was always into horror movies, so right. it was always like... Freddy or Jason was my rental choices. <laughs> <laughs> I gave, I ended up giving Big Trouble in Little China two and a half stars, um, but I'm sure it's one that I will rewatch in the future, just like The Running Man, and probably um, you know revise that score as time goes on. I feel like if I watched, if both of these movies I had watched with instead of Bridget, who wanted nothing to do with either of them, if I'd watched with you and Ash in the or you know with Chris and Ash in the room with you guys in the room. I feel like both of these probably would have been at least three-star movies to me, if not three-and-a-half-star movies. They just feel like they're movies that are more fun watching with others that are actually uh, interested in what's going on or engaged in what's going on. Um, and especially, you know, Ash, you having spent your childhood watching these, I just feel like it would be with the right atmosphere, with the right group, it could be a lot of fun to watch these movies. Oh, definitely. All right, so we have April on the Asylum finished up. We have Ash's first double feature pick for the podcast finished up. So what's next? June, we have the third annual Cinefession Summer Streams Challenge. You can use hashtag CSSC3 on Twitter to talk about that. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I have so many movies and TV series lined up, uh, ready to go. Who knows how much I'll actually get through, but you know, here's hoping. Ash, where else can we find you online? Um, on Twitter, DHGF Ash. On uh, Twitter, I write for uh, Diehard Game Fan, and then of course, Cinefessions. Awesome. And what about you, Chris? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wolverine Factor, and as Ash said, I write for Cinefessions as well. That's a good site. I heard about that. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of the site itself, make sure you go on there. Chris uh, has a review of X-Men Days of Future Past that just went live. Uh, he has a review of Godzilla that went live last week or a couple weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, there is a review of Grand Piano that just went live the day that we're recording this, which is Memorial Day, which is one I definitely want to check out. There is a review 
of the complete X-Men series that Ash wrote up for us. Uh, so lots of great content that's going on there. We have a, a lot of other things planned in the coming weeks as well. There are some movies that we received from some publishers that are going to be going live. Uh, hopefully during the month of June. Uh, I know some of us are kind of uh, holding off on those so we can watch them during the challenge, which is perfectly acceptable to me. Uh, so make sure you're always checking out cinefessions.com because there's always new and uh, exciting things to read on there. I am Brandon Shawan. You can find me on Twitter at Simon1, P-S-Y-M-A-N, 1, or you can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. All right. So thanks, Chris and Ash, for joining me and talking about these five films today. And thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next time. So when you first brought up The Running Man, I'm going to be honest with you, I actually thought you were talking about the movie with Dustin Hoffman in it, the um, <laughs> the marathon. <laughs> I just forgot the damn name of it when I just looked at it 20 fucking seconds. Anyway, anyway um, I thought you were talking about Marathon Man with, with, uh, with Hoffman.